0: Let's pray. You may be speeded. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today remembering that we learn nothing without the power of your spirit, so we ask that your spirit would be the true teacher this morning, and that we'd be more transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ so that others might come to know the goodness of your grace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I don't want to mow the lawn. I don't want to shovel the driveway. I hate it when when hotels don't have free breakfast, and I hate it when they have free breakfast, but they don't have a waffle maker. Nobody likes a whiner. Maybe you have someone in your life that always sends their food back at the restaurant, complains that the steak is too beefy, (laughs) says that the rock concert is too loud. Today we're talking about whining. We're in the third week of our series, How About No, where we explore those things that the Lord asks us to do that we would much rather say, How about no? Lord, I'd rather not. And throughout the book of Jeremiah, we have a lot of whiners, Jeremiah included. We have Jeremiah and the people of Judah. The people of Judah deserve what they're getting. Jeremiah doesn't deserve what he's getting. And yet they're both whining about something. Could they really deserve it? Is the Lord being maybe too harsh? Is he overreacting? Well, let's see. Let's see just what they're whining about. Let's look at Judah first. So if you'll remember, we go through the story of Judah. God chooses his people. He sets them apart. He sends them to Egypt where they'll multiply but eventually become slaves. He delivers them, but then they're wandering in the desert for 40 years. And then when they get there, there's still people in their land. When they get to the promised land, they have to do work to get the people out. It's my land, and I want it now. There's all kinds of things to whine about for them. And throughout their history, they go through this pattern of getting close to the Lord and then getting far away from the Lord. Getting close to the Lord and then getting far away from the Lord. Being devoted to the Lord and then being wicked. And here we find ourselves in that pattern once again. An evil king has been ruling Manasseh, but a righteous king arises, Josiah. And he tries to set things back into place. He tries to get to the people to look at the Lord's law, to listen to what the Lord says, to turn their hearts back towards him. And he has some success, but it isn't soon until people turn back away from the Lord And that's the situation in which we find the book of Jeremiah. The people are running from the Lord. They're disobeying the Lord. And Jeremiah is trying to warn them, saying that they are being wicked. If they don't stop, the Lord's going to send them into exile for 70 years. Now, to be fair, they deserve it. They were warned. But is God being too harsh? I mean, they are His people. Is he really going to let the Babylonians take them over? They're, they're not God's chosen people. Even if Judah was disobeying the Lord, at least they had a temple to God, even if they didn't go to it all the time. at least they recognized who He was. So maybe you feel bad for Judah, but if you feel bad for Judah, you're going to feel really bad for Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah didn't get deserved the way he was treated. He had to preach to people that they were going to go into exile. He had to preach to people who weren't listening. He was beaten. He was rejected. He was made fun of. And again and again, the Lord keeps putting him in these situations that are uncomfortable where the people want to get rid of him, that people don't listen to him. Jeremiah has a relationship with the Lord in which he feels close enough to him to lay all his emotions out there. To let the Lord know how he actually feels. Lord, why do you let them prosper? Why do you let them continue to get their way? Why am I continually rejected? Where are you coming through for me? Maybe you've had similar feelings before. Why does the dirt bag at the gym have chiseled abs? Why does the rude old lady get the million-dollar inheritance? Why does the person who betrays me have a better life than I do? Why, when I do so much for the Lord, am I in the circumstances that I'm in? And this is what the Lord says to Jeremiah in 12.5. It was read already for you, but let's read it again. If racing against mere men makes you tired... How will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on the open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Or in other words, Jerry, if this makes you weary, you better buckle up because it's about to get a lot harder. I'm calling you to do some hard things. You can't give up now but out of all the people how could God tell Jeremiah to suck it up after all that he'd done for them after all that he was going to do for him how could he tell him to suck it up and what about you do you have something to whine about Do you have some circumstance that you don't want to be in right now? Whether you deserve it or not, you want out of it, you find yourself complaining to the Lord, why am I here? I don't want to go through this. Do you find yourself unable to accept the hardship that you find yourself in? Not wanting to walk through it. Jeremiah has something to teach us about this. Now I'll remind you, Jeremiah did not have such a positive ministry. After all that he went through, the people did not repent. After all that he went through, even though the book of Jeremiah doesn't tell us how he died, it's assumed in tradition that he died he died by being stoned by his own people. He did all this work, he laid it all out there for the Lord, and he was ultimately killed. By his own people. And so there's a lot for Jeremiah to complain about. So, chapter 12 is the first of his complaints, but let's look at chapter 15, another one of Jeremiah's complaints. Lord, you know what's happening to me. Please step in and help me. Punish my persecutors. Please give me time. Don't let me die young. It's for your sake that I'm suffering. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They're my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. I never joined the people in their merry feast. I sat alone because your hand was on me. I was filled with indignation with their sins. Why then does my suffering continue? Why is my wound so incurable? Your help seems as uncertain as a seasonal brook, like a spring that's gone dry. This is how the Lord responds. If you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. You must influence them. Don't let them influence you. They will fight against you like an attacking army, but I will make you as secure as a fortified wall of bronze. They will not conquer you, for I am with you to protect and rescue you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Yes, certainly I will keep you safe from these wicked men. I will rescue you from their cruel hands. Jeremiah is being mistreated, and it feels like the Lord isn't delivering him. How can the Lord ask him to do these things if he's not going to have any success? We come to another complaint in Jeremiah chapter 20, but something is different. Jeremiah is still calling the Lord out, saying that he's been deceptive to him, that he's tricked him. He's pointed out how his own people have rejected him. And then he says this in chapter 20, verses 11 through 13. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of heaven's armies, You test those who are righteous and you examine their deepest thoughts and secrets. Let me see your vengeance against them, for I've committed my cause to you. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord. For though I was poor and needy, he rescued me from my oppressors. So, in the prior two situations, the Lord responds and calls Jeremiah out. Chapter 12, he says, Quit whining. Chapter 15, he says, okay, wait a minute, step back. If you speak good words rather than the worthless ones that you just spoke, then I'll restore you to be my spokesperson. Here, before God even steps in, Jeremiah has already corrected himself. He's already reminded himself of the goodness of his God, despite his circumstances. Now, at this point, I need to do a little aside for the people who are going to go home and read the verses after this. Because immediately after this, Jeremiah is wishing that he was never born. And so some commentators will say that due to the nature of ancient writings, we don't necessarily need to think that this is the same circumstance. Just because the verses are right next to each other doesn't mean it's the same episode. This could be a completely different time. Others will say that this just shows Jeremiah's fickleness, his lack of strength, his frailty. But whatever camp you're in, whether you say that Jeremiah is fickle or whether you say this is a completely different situation, what you cannot deny is that Jeremiah does something different here than he did before. That he's able to catch himself in the midst of this complaint to still praise the Lord. So Jeremiah learned a little bit about whining, learned a little bit about complaining, but what about the people of Judah? Now, here's a little bit of timeline what's going on. So Babylon doesn't just fully capture Jerusalem in one swoop. There's different stages. And in the first stage, they take the most important people, they take them off to Babylon into exile. And while they are there, Jeremiah writes this letter in chapter 29 Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of this city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. He points out that it's still the punishment in the word where he says, I have sent you into exile, right? But still in the midst of that, in the midst of what they deserve, the Lord wants to meet them to make them prosper where they are. But understandably, they want to go back to Jerusalem because Babylon doesn't have waffle makers, okay? They don't want to be there. But still the Lord wants to meet them where they are in their hardship, even though they deserve it. So is this the only example for the people of Judah? No. When we move on in the timeline... We have the poorest people who are still left in Jerusalem. And they're starting to get antsy. They don't want to be in this place where the king of Babylon might attack once again. And so the Lord tells Jeremiah to tell them this. Stay here in this land. If you do, I'll build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you. For I'm sorry about all the punishment I've had to bring upon you. Do not fear the king of Babylon anymore, says the Lord, for I am with you and will save you and rescue you from his power. I'll be merciful to you by making him kind so he'll let you stay here in this land. Lord, how can I stay here? I don't trust you after you've deceived me all these times, after you've, what you've let happen to us. We're your people in both circumstances for the people in Babylon and the people in Jerusalem. They got what they deserved, but the Lord wanted to meet them in the midst of their hardship. God wanted to make them prosper. God wanted to make them flourish in the midst of their hardship. God wanted to embrace them where they were, but they wanted to run. God wanted to embrace them where they were, But they would rather have been somewhere else because they didn't want to be in the midst of the hardship. But I want to be real for a second. Because while the Lord says he'll meet us there in the hardship and he'll make us prosper, it's still not the most ideal situation, is it? I mean, he's there with Jeremiah, but Jeremiah's still getting rejected. Jeremiah still even eventually gets stoned. That doesn't sound like the famous verse in Jeremiah 29, which says, you'll be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I'll come and do all good things for you, I promised, and I'll bring you home again, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope But Jeremiah 29 11 was never meant to get us to think that our walks with the Lord won't be hard, that they'll be absent of hardship, that our walks with the Lord would be easy. You could die in the midst of a cruddy situation like Jeremiah. You could die in a foreign land. You could not live to see the people delivered from Babylon. But the good news is that we know something the people of Judah didn't. We know something... That Jeremiah didn't the good news is that one day we're going home to a promised land where there's peace where we're not subject to suffering the good news is that even if Jeremiah didn't get to see the promised land on this side of the earth that he's going to see it in the new creation in the new heaven the good news is that we're going home to a land where there's no suffering where God is king and everything is set right that's the good news But the bad news is that you will have hardship. There will be hardship. But anything good he gives you here is always less than what he's bringing about. Any deliverance he brings you now is always less than the deliverance he's bringing in the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. There will be hardship, but we know who wins. We know what's going to happen, but we can't get around the fact that we're going to go through hard things. There are going to be things to whine about. So what do we do in the meantime? You got to know that God wants to work in your hardships. Whether you deserve it or not, that's the grace of God. Even in the punishments that you deserve, in the hardships that you deserve, he wants to use them for your good. He wants to work in your hardships, whether you deserve it or not but let's be real, like I just said, that's not enough. You still might die in a cruddy situation even though the Lord has accompanied you. You still might have unfortunate circumstances in your life and that's why God wants you to look forward to the best to come. God wants you to look forward to the best to come. Because no matter what happens to you in this life, we know that Jesus Christ is coming back to remake this heaven and remake this earth so we could be with the Lord forever, so that all suffering can end and all tears can be wiped away. God wants you to look forward to the best to come. So how do we do that? First, you gotta let it out. Let it out! If Jeremiah teaches us anything, it's that you need to get honest about your emotions. Don't pretend they're not there. If you're in a bad situation, if you're in a hardship, admit it, but there's a difference between letting it out and whining. Because letting it out is saying, Lord, I recognize that this is rough, I need you. Whining says, oh, look at me, pout. I'm going to stay in one place. I don't want to do this, Lord. Why would you do this to me? Complaining says, Lord, this is hard, but I know you'll be with me. Whining says, I can't believe you would do this to me. There will be hardship. Let it out. Second, you need to change your response. You have a choice. You can either try to work your way out of the hardship Or you could see the work that God wants to do in the hardship. You can try to be looking, how am I going to get this over as soon as possible? Or you can look at what God's trying to do in the midst of the present. Change your response. Quit trying to run out of it and start seeing what God is trying to do in it. Change your response like Jeremiah. Which brings us to three, you need to catch yourself. Because like Jeremiah, you're going to catch yourself whining again. It's going to happen. We're prone to it. Catch yourself. Remind yourself to change your response. Remind yourself to let it out. Give yourself grace. And finally, embrace the hardship. Quit trying to push it away. Whether you deserve it or not, whatever it is, and see what the Lord is trying to do in the present. Remember what he's going to do in the end and let him work his good and pleasant work here and now. Embrace the hardship. So I don't know what you're going through, but I'm sure there's someone in this room that's got something to whine about. But the Lord wants you to run with the horses He has great things in mind for you. He never promised for the walk to be easy, but he always promised to be with you, and he'll continue to work in the midst of the hardship. Do you want to weary in running with mere men, or do you want to run with the horses? It's time to quit whining. So, All that being said, simple message today, quit whining. So we're going to go into a time of prayer, but I just wanted to be a moment in which you could just hold before the Lord whatever hardships are are laying on you for you to let it out and for you to look for what the Lord is trying to do in the midst of it, the grace he's trying to shed out on you in the midst of your hardship. Let's pray. Lord, you know our hardships more than any other, and you told us to bring our burdens to you because your burden is light, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you would cover over these hardships, that your grace would speak through them, that you would make it evident to those in the room who are going through circumstances that are undesirable to see what you are doing in the midst of it. And so, in the moment of silence, Lord, we offer up these hardships to you. Lord, help us to quit whining. Help us to remember. Your goodness. May we be honest with our emotions, but may we be prepared to run the hard race that you have set before us, knowing that you're with us. Lord, as we read, leave this place, may you give us strength to run with the horses. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.